Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Gramlich and Polly Kim. Why am I so tall? What's happening? I ask myself that every day. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. Hi, Polly. <laughs> I'm always waiting to see if you're talking to me. Oh, hi, everybody, or including you... Polly Ken. <laughs> that was the nicest thing. Thank <laughs> you. I really appreciate it. Hello, everyone. <laughs> now, are you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> so, everyone is you. <laughs> I am everyone. I'm everyone. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, this is our second podcast anniversary. Um, yeah. Second podcast anniversary. Second podcast anniversary. <laughs> oh okay, we're not gonna sing everything. We just sang "I'm Every Woman." I know that, and I could make up my own song. Yes, true. Uh, Sassy sh- already, guys. I know. Get ready. I would like to give a shout out to Nick Carswell who started us on this journey. Yeah, and, uh, and kept us to have to, on time. Yeah, <laughs> used to have to. Watch us through a window yeah. and point at his watch. Oh, bless his heart. I know. And then we would say things like, I don't remember when that was published. And he would Google it. Yeah. Oh, Nick, I'm sure he does not miss this. <laughs> <laughs> or or let's pretend he does. Okay. We're right. delightful. Thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks, Nick. So. All right. I got some bookish news items. Good. Do you want? I'm glad you do. Yes. I, I took care of bookish news this time. And, and for bookish news, we have... Movies and TV. Woo! That's my bookish news. <laughs> um, okay, but LitHub came out yesterday with this list of 23 literary movies and TV shows that you'll... That are coming up? That are coming out this oh. fall. Some of them. Okay, so here they are. It did not write down every single one of them mm-hmm. if they were kind if they weren't didn't exactly link to a book. So because um, some were like Okay, I'll just post a, a link to Yes, yeah. So we'll have a link to this. But The Miniaturist. By Bel- Jesse Burton. Yes. Right, I'm going to remember all the names. Okay, the- Bell Canto. Ann Patchett. These the children the authors aren't written down. I'm just doing this by yeah. memory. The, the children's act. act. Who the heck is that? Is that? Ewan. Oh, oh Ian McEwan. Ian, Ian McEwan. Uh, and P.S. Stanley Tucci alert. Oh, shoot, girl. For that, I need to. And Emma Thompson. Stanley Tucci and Emma Thompson. Oh, nice. Hey. The Land of Steady Habits. I don't know what that is. You don't know. Okay. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Dang it, again. Nope. Kate Blanchett alert, however. Okay, good. Okay. Colette. By Colette. <laughs> the Sisters <laughs> Brothers. Do it. The Haunting of Hill House. Is this Shirley Jackson? Yes, it okay, is. Yay! yay! The Hate You Give. We just read that. Angie Thomas. Angie Thomas. Farts, why? Can you ever forgive me? No, I cannot. <laughs> Uh, my brilliant friend, that Italian lady, Elena, Elena Ferrante. If Beale Street could talk, Baldwin. Yes, Mary Queen of Scots. Don't know this one, but I'm super excited about that one because Sir Sir Sharonin hmm. is Mary Queen of Scots, and then I can't remember who. Oh, someone good was also um, Queen Elizabeth. Mary Poppins Returns. Mm. I know I put this on here, and this one actually kind of only links to a book because there's no second book. This is just. Well, P.L. P. Travers did like Mary Poppins Goes to the Park. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins Goes to the Park. I blah, think blah. this is just a. I think it's this is just yeah. a ref- reference. But, but Dick Van Dyke is in it. Are you willing? No. You won't? absolutely not. You can't. Nope. Okay. But Dick Van Dyke is in it. But Dick Van Dyke is and in it. And that's good. And Lynn Manuel Miranda like was t- talking about it. Like, yeah. I just really love OG Mary Poppins. I know. I know. I, that's why I haven't been able to watch. I haven't been able to watch the new Pete's Dragon. See? You just. Same. No, right. If they read it, Pretty Woman, I'd never. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You cracks me up. Okay. One more. Holmes and Watson, which is another Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh-huh. Um, however, so I guess I, li- I lied. Like, this one doesn't exactly link to a book. But John C. Riley and mm. Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell are Watson and <gasps> Holmes, wait, respectively. Wait. 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 Yeah. Wait. Wait. Mm-hmm. Wait. So nope, which keep... one's Holmes? 
Uh, John C. Riley. Okay. No, sorry. The other way. Okay. Watson is John C. Riley. Holmes Will is Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yes. Oh my God. So it could is be, it supposed to be funny? It could be. I don't know. It could be the worst thing you've ever seen, or the best thing you you've know ever what, seen. You know what though? Or it could be the best worst thing That's you've true. ever seen. I have seen Step Brothers. Is that <laughs> I've never a Will Ferrell seen. movie? Were they both that? No. 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 That was isn't that Mark Wahlberg or something? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't but now all I want to watch is the John C. Riley Mr. Cellophane. Number Mr. from Chicago. Oh, yes, my God, I guess we are going to so sing. Good. Yes, uh, the one, the one where we sing. The one where we sing. <laughs> I can already yes. see the title of this episode now. So, anyways, that's bookish news. And then a very quick um, Man Booker Prize update. The, the shortlist just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the Mars Room by Rachel Kushner, mm-hmm. Washington Black by Essie Edu mm-hmm. Eduguan. I'm on hold for that. Um, Everything Under Daisy Johnson. Milkman, Anna Burns, The Overstory, Richard Powers, which I've been meaning to read that one. Where are you reading this? Uh, uh, this from, is not on my... I know. Oh, okay, sorry. From my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and The Long Take by Robin Robertson. So um, get those on your holds list. Cool. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, okay, so two book minimum? Yeah. Ba-da. Let's do two book minimum. Okay, I'm really going to try to make this short. I'm so sorry. Kate glances at the clock. But I can't. Okay. So I will read. I'll read the, um, what's about. Um, Darius Kellner speaks better Klingon than Farsi. What book is this? Oh, God. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Koram. Okay, thank you. Uh, just like I'm making hard eyes right now about, uh, the, about this book. So, okay. Darius Kellner speaks better Klingon than Farsi, and he knows more about Hobbit social cues than Persian ones. Aww. He's about to take his first ever trip to Iran, and it's pretty overwhelming, especially when he's also dealing with clinical depression, a disapproving dad, and a chronically anemic social life. Mm-hmm. In Iran, he gets to know his ailing but still formidable grandfather, his loving grandmother, and the rest of his mom's family for the first time. And he meets Sorab, the boy next door who changes everything. Oh! So anyways, like, just picture me hugging this book right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't even pick it up and just who, do it. Uh, Meredith also loved it, right? Meredith also loved this book. Um, I want to tell my friend Bita about this book. Oh. It's just, it was just, it's so good. And I really, I read it, but I would actually love to listen to Mm. this book. Um, I think I saw it. I think that's actually how this came to my attention because I was watching a a webinar about uh, audiobooks. And this one came up as having a fantastic, fantastic narrator. Um, So anyway, it's. It's just, this book is so funny and it's so sweet and it's really touching. So Darius is half Persian and half Caucasian and uh-huh. feeling othered um, is really the theme of this book, mm-hmm. othered in, in a bunch of different ways. So in the book, he distinguishes between the true Persians and the fractual, the fractionally Persian. Mm-hmm. So like he refers to himself as fractionally Persian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he often refers to his dad by his whole name, Stephen Kellner, like in his mind when he's uh-huh. singing about him, Teutonic Ubermensch um, throughout the book because he feels like he just has nothing in common with his dad. Ah. He doesn't look like his dad in any way. Uh-huh. His dad's this tall, blonde huh perfect teeth you uh-huh. know kind of guy um so he always feels like he just doesn't live up to him in some way or make him happy so um mm-hmm. all the tolkien and star trek references in this book were aces so if you also love those things mm-hmm. i think you would also love this book and i really love 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 the discussions of food and culture mm. um you really walk alongside of darius or Dariush in iran um he goes by and so you're you know you're learning right alongside him about things that um he feels like he should have known uh-huh. so um his family's a zoroastrian and like that's a thing because it goes through the father and so his dad's not Zoroastrian, so right. he's like his <gasps> oh. grandpa's like the last wow. in his family. Um, and his new neighbor or his new friend, Sorab, is Baha'i, um, which 
is not a thing you want to be in Iran, um, mm. which I did not know that. And you just learn about daily life in Iran and Iranian history and architecture and holidays and customs. And I just want to apologize to everyone in mm. Lawrence because I put every Persian cookbook on hold. <laughs> you will be so hungry and you'll want to drink all the tea. Like his, the job he wants to do with his, they live in Portland, Oregon. And his dream job is to work for Rose City Teas and become mm. a tea, master tea blender. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the author is local. Um, he's in Kansas City. And I really want to have tea with him and interview him. You should get him on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I think maybe he would. But it's just this excellent, it's this touching depiction of, um, of depression mm -hmm. and by extension, also what it's like to parent a kid with depression. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend this book to adults, even though it is technically a YA book, I would totally recommend that to that anyone wonderful. who just feels like they And the cover someone. is gorgeous. I know. The cover is gorgeous. Um, and then my next book, This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. Someone, somewhere, I don't know who, recommended this to me mm -hmm. and I put it on hold. And then when it came in, I was like, why did I put this book on hold? I do that all the time. Um, yeah. But then I started reading it, and now I see why. Um, now I see why I put this book on hold. These papers are driving mm -hmm. me nuts. So um, I'm not quite halfway through this one, um, but so far it's um, – I love Frankel's writing. It It's a book that has taken me back to the immediacy of having small children um, – is it fiction or not? All the emotions. It's uh, fiction. Okay. All the emotions that go with it. So this book is about, it's really about Claude, who's the youngest of five boys, and about his family and what happens when Claude, at five years old, understands that she is really poppy. Hmm. Um, and it's a wonderful story about a family navigating these uncharted waters, um, even though what you really learn in this book is that it's it's just all uncharted Parenting? Oh, yes. Yeah. And so I did, I wanted to read this section from the book, but I think that's what makes the book so lovely too, is I, they obviously love their child so mm -hmm. much and they, um, I think I'm about to get to the part where it really gets into, um, you know, they've consulted with a counselor mm -hmm. and they're figuring out, is this just, you know, a phase right now mm -hmm. or, you know, is Poppy, is yeah. Poppy really Poppy? Uh-huh. Um, and then how do you deal with that? Because when you're, you know, when you find out you're five, that you've been misgendered, mm -hmm. like a lot of things, your parents can do a lot of things to make your life much, much better. Yeah. Um, and so those are the decisions that are constantly coming up for wow, this family. Wow. But this part I just, I really loved because um, they were talking about how they wished things were easier and um, the... Rosie and Penn are the parents, and so they say easy probably rules out. Easy is nice, but it's not as good as getting to be who you are or stand up for what you believe in, said Penn, which easy is nice, but I wonder how often it leads to fulfilling work or partnership or being. Mm. Easy probably rules out having children, Rosie admitted. <laughs> having children, helping people, making art, inventing anything, leading the way, tackling the world's problems, overcoming your own. I don't know. Not much of what I value in our lives is easy. But it's not, there's not much I'd trade um, for easy either, I don't think. But it's terrifying, she whispered. If it were the right thing to do, wouldn't we know it? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. I wish. When was the last time something was bothering one of the kids or he was acting strange or he wasn't sleeping or doing well in math or sharing nicely during free choice time and we knew why? Knew why, Rosie said. Knew why. Absolutely knew what was wrong and what should be done to fix it and how to make that happen. As a parent? As a parent. Never? <laughs> never. A pen agreed. Not ever. Not once. You never know. You only guess. That's how it always is. That's the title wow. of the book. You have to make these huge decisions on behalf of your kid, this tiny human whose fate and future is entirely in your hands, who trusts you to know what's good and right and then be able to make it happen. You never have enough information. You don't get to see the future. And if you screw up, if with your incomplete contradictory information, you make the wrong call, well, nothing less than your child's life, entire mm. future and happiness is at stake. It's impossible. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It's maddening. But there's no alternative. Wow, that's lovely. Read this book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to, because I haven't gotten that far into it, I don't want to give away, mm -hmm. like, how the things go down. But I think um, 
just I've looked at some comments on it and I I think that people who care about trans issues will be happy with mm -hmm. how okay. this story is written. Um, there's no right answers. Good. But it's a wonderful story. Good. Good, good, good. So that took a lot longer. <laughs> not as long as it could have. I lied. Uh, mine are going to be short because okay. I picked two books I have not read before. Uh, mm. One is one. So this was kind of like a kismet sort of thing. Uh, I was shelving and we, I was shelving the new books and we had this little thin book that's just called Not My Idea. And it turns out it was a, a kid's book that just like happened on our, on our adult new shelf. And, uh, but I didn't realize that until I was like walking to show the book to you. Mm -hmm. So it's not my idea by Anastasia Higginbotham or Bottom. I'm not sure. Botham. 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 Mm -hmm. Both. Both. Uh, so <laughs> not my idea, a book about whiteness. Uh, it's a picture book um, that invites white children and parents to become curious about racism, accept that it's real and cultivate justice. Um, it, I love the aesthetics of the book. It was very like, well, now I don't have it in front of me, but it was very like cut and pasty sort of looking. Yeah. And it, it seems like I didn't know about this author and probably because I don't picture books aren't on my radar a right. lot. But um, she's got tons. She's got multiple really, really neat looking aesthetically pleasing, pleasing and um, like conceptually interesting right. uh, picture books. Mm -hmm. So not just for children's. Um, but this, so there was a, this, this quote is by Elizabeth Bird, librarian, which I just like, it doesn't say from where, but uh, quite frankly, this, uh, it's the first book I've seen that provides an honest explanation for kids about the state of race in America today. So, yeah, it's really good. Cool. And did you, did you look through it all? I did. I read it. Okay. I read the whole thing and um, it's really good. I mean, I think uh, because I had seen the Anastasia Higgin both them both them um book about um she has a sex ed book mm -hmm. um which some people don't like because it's very like honest. real yeah and honest mm -hmm. um but it's it's a good book and uh, this one is the same it's very real and honest i mean like there's one the whole like you don't have to sign on to whiteness mm -hmm. you wait what was the what was the quote you could be white you could be white but you don't have to sign on to whiteness uh-huh which is like, like support. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like such a people like adults struggle to mm -hmm. understand that concept. Yeah. And maybe Same how with much, any sort of privilege. Yeah. So mm. maybe how much easier it would be to understand that as a kid. Yeah. Cause kids are like, Oh, cool. Gotcha. <laughs> right. right. That makes sense. Yeah. I get it. That's great. Uh, yes. So that's not my idea. And then, uh, that's not my idea either. Um, <laughs> and then uh, The Inconvenient Indian. Uh, this was recommended, um, and it'll tie into our She Said, She Said book. Um, we discussed La Rose by Louise Erdrich at uh, the last Wednesday book club last month. Um, and uh, this one was recommended by at least one person, and it's been recommended at least like three times to me, or okay. I've seen amazing reviews of it. Um so first of all, La Rose, uh, just as a quick bonus, um, I don't think I talked about that on the podcast because I had just read it. I just read it for the book mm -hmm. club. Um, but that is an extremely powerful novel. Um, and it's talking about, um, like usual, like native customs for uh, a lot of the characters are Ojibwe, um, as are a lot of her books. Um but it goes into this whole history of um, the assimilation schools and mm. um, how how that happening anywhere in your family line just like perpetuates all these different you know stereotypes and like um, just causes damage generationally. So uh, so that. La Rose is also an excellent book. Um, but The Inconvenient Indian, um, Thomas King, who I believe is Cheyenne, um, shoot, I think so, dang it, um, offers a deeply knowing, darkly funny, unabashedly opinionated, and utterly unconventional account of the Indian-white relations in North America since initial contact. Ranging freely across the centuries and the Canada-U.S. border, King debunks fabricated stories of Indian savagery and white heroism, takes an oblique look at Indians and cowboys in film and popular culture, 
wrestles with the history of Native American resistance and his own experiences as a Native rights activist and articulates a profound revolutionary understanding of the cumulative effects of ever-shifting laws and treaties on Native peoples and lands. I didn't say that. I copied that. That's way smarter. <laughs> quote. Than, yeah, quote, unquote. unquote. Um, but um, I'm lumping it in my head sort of with like a people's history of the United States. Yeah, so this is a... This is nonfiction. nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we yeah. currently have a copy of it in, um, and so like totally reading it. like honest accounts of history. I think is like the genre of nonfiction <laughs> this would be under. Uh, and now that we've read the book that we're about to discuss, mm-hmm. I would like to kind of go back and, and pair those two. So yeah, I would like to read that too. So let me know when you're doing that. So that was. Two, that was what were we just doing? Two book <laughs> we were minimum? Doing two book minimum. With? With uh, Darius, Darius the Great, the Great is, is Not Okay <laughs> by Adib Koram. And This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. And and this is not why I like put the paper down here. <laughs> not My Idea by Anastasia Higginbotham. Uh, and The Inconvenient Indian by Thomas King. Now, here we go. She said, she said. She said, she said. Okay, look, more singing. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about there, there. By Tommy Orange. 19, I mean, 19. <laughs> 1908. Well, I ruined my song uh, by not knowing what year it is. Sorry, it's 2018. <laughs> Time travel really messes with a person. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, I put the description. I put, well, I put a quote that way I thought like was from a bunch of different places but mm-hmm. I thought like when I read it I was like yeah this actually really wraps it up real nice okay do it so I'm gonna steal that Tommy Orange's groundbreaking extraordinary the New York Times <laughs> there there is the brilliant propulsive people magazine story of 12 unfor- unforgettable characters urban Indians living in Oakland California who converge and collide on one fateful day it's the year's most galvanizing galvanizing debut novel, Entertainment Weekly. Is that did that work? That what? Well, yeah, <laughs> that those we, the like side work. the sides were in parentheses. Yeah, just so everybody knows. Do you think people could tell? We're they probably could out. tell something was going on. <laughs> yeah, it made sense to me because it's right here. Okay, but all those things are really true. Everything yeah. I said. Oh my god! Yeah, groundbreaking, extraordinary. True. Uh, converging, colliding, all those different things, galvanizing. Yes. Okay. Agreed. True Agreed. to the true to the nth power. Yes. So um, we chose this one uh, on purpose. It's not just a whim, like some of ours. Uh, <laughs> so this episode should air, we're recording it at the end of September, but it should air right around Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known as Shmolumbushmi. Yeah. Um, Lawrence changed over from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day in 2016, and it's been changed officially in many other uh, progressive cities. Mm-hmm. So um, this is in celebration of that day instead of celebrating, right. which I believe will be the third October 8th, this something like year. that. Monday, October 8th will that be great. Indigenous Peoples Day. Cool. Yes. All right. So they're there by Tommy Orange that's what we're discussing yeah let's talk about this so okay. i i had the opportunity to see tommy orange when i was at oh. um one of the books <laughs> well was it the one with michelle obama it or was it been, the- <laughs> it might have been it might have been midwinter i'm thinking i think it was midwinter when i saw um tommy orange and i saw tommy on stage with a couple other debut authors and they were very um I went to this, uh-huh. you know, master's program, and uh-huh. I did this, and blah, blah, blah. and he was just like, "Yeah, I wrote a book." You know, I mean, yeah. he does have he does have a master's degree, I believe. Oh yeah, he's from, he's wicked wicked yeah. smart, but he is wicked smart, but he's it, approachable. He was so he was so down to earth. I bet he was very amused by the pretentious all the co-panelists then. yeah i mean they were and they were actually not pretentious, that's just, the thing is that they weren't trying to be pretentious they were just doing the thing that yeah. you always do on yeah. an author panel uh-huh. and he was like i'm gonna do this this other is me thing. yeah like, yeah how old would you say is he is he looks oh, really young he looks young but he might he's is he even probably 30? early 30s okay mm, probably early 30s i don't know i don't know but so let's let's talk about there there 
Um, First of all, the title comes from a Gertrude Stein, right? Was it? Yeah. Quote that was like, it comes up pretty quickly. It's about how there's no there there in right. in Oakland, right, anymore? Yes. Yeah. Um, and just the disc- – I don't want to, like, read that particular part because it was interesting to read on my own. But um, I always find it interesting because you read, like, for This Is How It Always Is on the two-book minimum, um, they put the, the title in that section. Mm-hmm. And so I like when that happens because do it doesn't too. always happen. No. Um, and it happens pretty early on in the book. Um, maybe the – yeah. Oh, it's when Dean is going to do the grant application. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it kind of sets the tone for the book, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I think it does. Well, I mean, so so he has a pro this prologue, mm-hmm. and then he has an interlude in oh, the I middle loved those between parts. all of these. So, the, so the book is written from multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. It is uh, there are twelve characters and it's really um it's really and then there's the prologue and then the interlude and so the prologue is like actual tr- like things that i mean it's a little bit of a history lesson in yeah, some it's ways like, uh-huh. but written in his incredible language so like that's so that was my first note to talk about um i will be rereading this because i know that i miss things in here but mm-hmm. um this the language is like if language is one of your doorways like mm-hmm. you love incredible writing this is like poetry it really really is it really reads like poetry and it's so smart and it winds back on itself and flips itself over and um all at the same time telling like a really pretty straightforward story uh-huh, uh-huh. about what's happening well, maybe straightforward isn't the word. You go back and forth. But I mean, you're, you're just, everyone's just cruising towards this point. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and you, you can really to. feel the tension. You, you do. You feel that like the tension just builds mm-hmm. and builds and builds about what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, but I love the prologue because, well, as I wrote here, I don't know if I can say these words. Um, I can say these words. I've said these words before. But it's, so it's really viciously honest. I mean, he talks about uh, – it's like these little vignettes in the prologue that um, kind of give probably a lot of things that uh, I will be rereading in uh, The Inconvenient Indian. Indian but Yeah, I want to go back and look these up. Yeah. Uh, but it's like no sugar-coated, just balls-out critique of, like, the whitewashing of U.S. history. Yeah. And and so it just, like, it, it sets, let's see, the prologue is just one, two, five, six, like, a, like fewer than ten pages. And uh, it's so powerful, and I learned so much just within those, like, handful of mm-hmm. pages. And it's stuff that he repeats. A lot of things kind of come up again throughout the narrative, Um which I which kind of like drive things home like uh what was it like um heck heck and heck I had this <laughs> did you have oh on? like how uh um like how fry bread is not traditional like right. that's a thing that's stated in the prologue and then that's a thing that's stated by a character in a different way mm-hmm. um or like talking about um the uh, quote unquote crazy Indian who was the narrator of the one flew over the cuckoo's mm-hmm. nest and how that was portrayed in the movie versus the book. Right. And, and then it comes up mm-hmm. later. And yeah. So it's like you're, I was reading it and I was like, ah, because it, he's, he's really hitting home the repetitive nature of the oppression and, like, the million tiny little ways that it's, like, infiltrated our society, I mm-hmm. guess, if this is making any sense. Um, and by repeating it, like, and repeating certain themes and things like that from the prologue to different characters, I was like, oh, God, I'm getting this. Like, this is, mm-hmm. yeah, like, this is really hitting me. Yeah. So. I, I would totally agree I with what that. I just said made sense. No, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like, and, in the, I mean, I think that it had, I think that that it has, like, a, the the repetition or you know like the threads woven through things or whatever mm-hmm. have 
like they have meaning for sort of getting that across to you. Mm-hmm. And they also are just like, it just makes it poetic. It mm-hmm. makes the language um, oh God, yeah. incredible. I actually wanted to read, I wanted to like read this part. And yeah, I, I think we'll like both it, be reading it. Yeah. I feel like it, like, or a couple things. I feel like it came up a couple times. So um, one of the characters, Orville Redfeather. Um, oh. So one of the things Orville um, r- really wants to be a dancer and has never seen, has never seen any native mm-hmm. dance. Because his grandmother just pretty his, much is like, right, that's his not, grandmother we don't is, have the privilege right. to look and, back at and that. Just we just really, need to move on. Right. Just didn't want it. had like had some negative experiences mm-hmm. w- with being native and just mm-hmm. wanted to leave it behind. Um, and so, you know, he's dressing up, he's looking in the mirror and he says, he's waiting for something true to appear before him about him. It's important that he dress like an Indian, dance like an Indian, even if it is an act, even if he feels like a fraud the whole time, because the only way to be an Indian in this world is to look and act like an Indian to be or not to be Indian depends on it. Yeah. And I feel like there, this was, this theme was Mm -hmm. repeated because, um, and, you know, when Tommy Orange was talking about this, he was born and raised, like he grew Uh up in Oakland. And so he, he, this might be the only, this might be the only novel ever written that centers the urban urban Indian Indian Mm -hmm. experience, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, because he said he's, he'd never seen himself portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of that discussion of what what is Indian, who gets to be Indian, like uh, how do we uh-huh. make those decisions? Yeah. Um, what counts? Right. You know. And, it's, and as confusing as it is, as, <clears throat> as confusing as it is for, you know, white people who are outside of that experience and who've had this horrible history of creating, like mm-hmm. bringing Indians to the place they are today mm-hmm. and creating this reality for them while not understanding anything about it. It's that confusing to be inside of that reality, right. to, to not understand, um, you know, like, so if you're, cl- if you claim, that being Indian is to do all this historical stuff, then you're bought, you're you're recreating that narrative for white people right. that the only in, like Indians don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just this historical artifact. Yeah, or they only exist yeah. in reservations, or they only exist right. yeah. to be authentic. You know, to be uh, quote unquote authentically Indian in that way, but to then to say no, I don't have to do all of those things to be authentically Indian. Uh-huh. Are you losing? Right. Are you losing this history that that people fought? So I mean, like, I thought I was reading this. Um, it's funny. I was reading this like uh, towards the end of Yom Kippur, and <clears throat> I remember standing in the synagogue and looking around and thinking, like, every single person who was here, like, got here through, like, we all. I mean, we all exist here because of some miracle that happened where, you know, this, your ancestors made it at the right time Mm -hmm. and they survived enough to get you here. And then, you know, so, I mean, just looking around at the, the miracle that anyone ever gets to the point ever stands and looks at themselves in the mirror Mm -hmm. on a given day and is like, I'm here Mm -hmm. because you had to come from thousands and thousands of right. matings yes. of, of humans who have had to survive mm-hmm. thousands of things for you to stand there and look at yourself in the mirror. And like that theme is sort of repeated in this yeah, book absolutely. where it's um, like our people had to survive to get me where I'm at, but where am I, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't yeah. know. It's just, and when the, you've had like your culture stripped from you, is are you shaming like your heritage by not participating in traditions right. even though you were never given the opportunity to to participate or even more so or were actively like they were beaten out of you right like if you choose not to participate does that make you a traitor or inauthentic right. or vice versa like if you you know 
Or, yeah, or are you just understanding that you are where you are in this moment in time mm -hmm. and the way you the way that you are is what being native is, is right because there's no right way yeah because you just are right because you are well you know? but the and <clears throat> what was pointed out beautifully in this is and a thing that we know i i know as a white person like logistically but she was talking just or he was talking just about i think i think it was Oh, it was one of the female characters with telling, I think, one of the young men, but talking about how uh, having the privilege to not even think about, like, it's not like I'm sitting here thinking, like, am I being authentically mm -hmm. whatever the hell the heck I am, right. you know? Um, because yeah, I have it was the, something like if you're if you don't have to think about your history. Yeah. So this is um, I didn't write down the page, but. If you were fortunate enough to be born into a family whose ancestors directly benefited from genocide and or slavery, maybe you think that the more you don't know, the more innocent that you can stay, which is a good incentive. Wait, the more that you don't know, the more innocent you can stay, which is a good incentive to not find out, to not look too deep, to walk carefully around the sleeping tiger. Look no further than your last name. Follow it back and you may find your line paved with gold or beset with traps. So yeah, it's just like we have willful ignorance is like a is mm -hmm. a privilege. I wonder if that was blue, maybe. I know um, I, there was such. I loved. Sorry, I, guess I loved maybe, a lot of the. I characters. know it's like there's twelve characters, so mm -hmm. it's gonna be. I don't know if we're gonna be able to talk about all the characters actually. So, I loved. I I liked how. Well, why do you think? Let me ask you this question. Okay. Why? So the chapters are written in. Sometimes third person, mm -hmm. sometimes first person. And it's not consistent. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he doesn't consistently write a person. Like a person in could a, be in one or the it, other. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so why do you think why do you think that he does that? Um, because it's very clearly a specific choice. Um, like I was thinking, um let me find let's see if I can find. That's why I have to read it again. Because I yeah, want, absolutely. I want to look for those I want to look for those things the um, second time the first time i was just taken I, by the story i think that maybe it's like maybe it's like um characters that you're supposed to kind of feel more deeply um versus ones that kind of provide more of like an outside view. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking of a there's lot one of times white they, dude, right? Uh, Bill. Is Phil white? Bill. The no, Bill? yeah, the No, Bill's not white either. Mm -mm. Bill's Bill's native. Edwin's mom's yeah. boyfriend? Yeah, he's oh. native. Um so every, everyone oh, everyone's native. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um so but like I noticed like the big sections of when he writes are are the the Gomez brothers mm -hmm. um and you mm -hmm. don't you kind of don't know their names are like Octavio and Daniel Gomez and you think I mean they're living in Oakland mm -hmm. California um so you think oh are they like Hispanic um, mm -hmm. slash of Mexican extraction yeah um which would be very common in Oakland California but then you find out they also also are, have native uh -huh. um, that they just don't know anything about. They right. just know that they're somehow native. Right. Um, so yeah, Bill's yeah Bill's a Lakota guy who grew up in oh, Oakland. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, As Edwin talks about that. What I'm saying. So, <laughs> well, also with like the first person versus third person, Edwin's a really good example. Um, so he's this guy who uh, he is. He's got. Uh, postgraduate education, um, but now lives with his mom, a sort of a, mm -hmm. you know, mid-30s man living with his mom in the basement yeah. online all the time situation. Right. And his uh, his studies were all like native studies uh -huh. and things like that. Even you know. though he didn't know what exactly right. his history was. Right. But his what mom's I... mom's white. Yeah. His mom's white, his dad's native, but he doesn't know his dad. But what I love is that... This one in first person makes so much sense because it's kind of like a stream of consciousness, like 
voice that's just kind of like going everywhere, not totally complete sentences. Um, just like it's it's everything in his head. Um, it's kind of like super fast style, um, which feels really true, at least in like that first part, the first time he comes up. Uh, it feels really true for someone who's on the internet all the time, mm -hmm. you know, because your browser windows open, da, 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 you yeah. know, and he's talking about like, I researched this, which made me research this, which da, 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 da. And so yeah. it felt very fast paced, stressful, kind of like <laughs> if you're browse, if you're, right. you know, online all the time. And it reminded me sort of of Nathan Hill in the Knicks, mm. whoever that character was. Uh, it was like an, it was like an alias name. Yeah. Um, Similar style in like the da -da 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 sort of right. feel, but I liked I liked Edwin better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's my thought on the first person. Thing. So here's that. So yeah, I wonder. I just wondered. Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, is I. I mean, I it goes like it goes back and forth in time, and it mm -hmm. goes back and forth from character. Mm -hmm. So you do have to carve yourself out some quiet time. Mm -hmm. To really read this, but I I love the way I don't he, he's just brilliant and he sunk you into a character in just the right place mm -hmm. that you start with them and the first character that he opens with oh, which is yeah. we haven't talked about this yet you know the first character that he opens with um, Tony is Tony who like is he's talking and he's first he just sort of makes a reference to the drome mm -hmm. and then you sort of quickly find out that he is living with fetal alcohol syndrome and that it has made syndrome syndrome mm, yeah. right. and it has made his face um he has to wear that on his face mm -hmm. like everyone mm -hmm. immediately knows sunken features yeah yeah everyone immediately knows um that there's that he has something wrong with him because mm -hmm. he's um you know that he he describes himself, I guess, as looking like a monster, and mm -hmm. so um, I don't, I, I don't. It's just like, has there ever I've been never. a character? Right? Has yeah, anyone like has used... there been a character who? Yeah, I can't really recall many characters, first person that that Talk talked about, about fetal alcohol syndrome right, at all, yeah. or much less yeah. like how it, yeah, impacts. Right, because he has. I mean, he has some sort of intellectual challenges because of you know mm -hmm. what happened to him but also but also it, it, yeah i just i love that i i just love that um you don't discount anything about tony mm -hmm. right. because you get to enter tony in a way that like you like the the having the drone and maybe is, that being first person is is also, so that you are, so you are feeling him and not like looking at him as an outsider. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. Also, but, I mean, what I what I found because you said about carving out a piece of time, what I found very helpful was that the chapter, like the character name, was the chapter mm -hmm. heading, and so you can just like like uh, flip through the book and see at the top of the page. Um, who the chapter is about. So, you know, if you want to flip back and forth and see like, oh, what did they say in the last one? You can find it a lot easier than you can in yeah. some other books. So that that was a really helpful device. That is a helpful marker. Um, that's a helpful marker, I think. And I don't know. I honestly, I was trying to say like, who is your favorite character? I don't know if I could pick a favorite character. Um, Mine might have been Edwin. I thought. I thought it might be because Edwin opens his chapter talking about poop. I know. That wasn't why exactly, <laughs> but that was a very first, intimate. The first thing yeah. I was like, okay. I know. I don't want to be the poop lady, but, <laughs> and that's not the only reason. No. Um, I think I actually relate to him a lot in that my, in high school, I, I had like two IRL friends, if you will. And like most of my community was online. Yeah. And I did like, yeah, I did like Second Life and stuff, or something like Second oh. Life. Yeah. So I got that. <laughs> yeah. And he, I don't know, I, I'm trying to, that's why I kind of want to read it again, because I just, mm. I also want to figure out like, is it like, does each character, I mean, uh, each character really represents, I think, some. I don't want to say stereotype, but I think it represents like some facet of like some yeah, like a facet that people might recognize or mm -hmm. think they know or think they recognize mm -hmm. of 
the Native American community. But um, then it turns it sort of right. But then, but then forces you to understand more about what it is you think you know or what you know, like uh, and, and like and just the weaving in. So like again in the prologue and the interlude, like there's history, but then the weaving in. So like the one character um, you meet, like you meet. Um, um, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Jack, Jackie, Jackie, Red, uh -huh. Jackie Redfeather. Well, Jackie and Opal actually uh -huh. um, were the daughters of a woman who um, participated in the which I knew nothing about the Alcatraz sit-in from the seventies. I knew nothing about that. Yeah, so I'd like I'm, to know more now. And the like for me because I grew up in the seventies, mm -hmm. like the little the little touchstones in here about. Um, you know, the Native American, that commercial, you know, where the guy's on a horse uh -huh. and he's crying. And I was like, and they were like, yeah, he's, he's Italian uh -huh. or whatever. Iron eyes, Cody. Or yeah. Whatever. I was like, how did I not, or maybe did I know that? It sort of seemed like maybe I did, but I, but like that, that was my uh -huh. view yeah. of, like Native American, yeah, because that's all in the seventies. Mm -hmm. As a whatever five, six, seven year old, was like no, well, you know, I guess, I guess more positive, noble and caretakers mm -hmm. of the land, and you know all of those. But things. they couldn't even hire an actual Native mm -hmm. actor, for right? That part. I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I well, so. Okay, one part that, that speaks to that about, um, like, s taking the stereotype or taking the common marker or whatever, like, uh, I think it's Opal talks about um, getting, and this is true for, I think, anybody in poverty, too, in general, but um, using your money on lottery tickets, she brings that up, mm -hmm. and, like, that is something that people are judged for, for, right. you know, and but she says... Um, I'm going to cuss in a second here. Bad luck or just bad shit happening to you in life can make you secretly superstitious. And so it can make you, you know, think, well, if I did this this way, then nothing bad happened. So I'm going to keep doing it that way. Or like this could, I, I've had bad luck before. Maybe I will finally have good luck in doing the lottery, you know. And so right. that it just really hu humanized a lot of behaviors that I think people are judged for. And I actually I actually kind of read that a little differently. Like I I read that and I wondered if Opal like was on the OCD spectrum and just didn't Oh get, yeah, I know that too. was unable to get diagnosed. That too. Yeah. Um because oh, yeah. you know she talks the a numbers, lot about the num uh -huh. like using numbers and mm, has not to do things crack. a certain way yeah. and whatever. So um yeah, I that know was, that it's was how I read hard. that is that she just had um Well, and I think that that has happened. I mean what? Oh, this is a, never mind. This is a tangent. So. It's a tangent, but, but there is, so there, I, I mean, I think that you, you're bringing up that a point that we maybe haven't talked a lot about too, is like, so every, I think every character, every character in this book has been touched by alcoholism uh -huh. in some way, by addiction or yeah. um, some kind of abuse. Uh -huh. um, and reacted very and, differently. Yeah, the women are, mm -hmm. the women almost all are, have physical abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's and, and again the and the yeah they all have reacted very differently to it and but I think to, oh, the author does and Tommy because we're all Tommy mm -hmm. um, just because of the way he enters you into the character you can't like you don't view it as oh yeah another trope right sort another of thing. trope about you know Indians and alcoholism mm -hmm. or something like that. you know no I mean, they it, really he's like this is why yeah and this is probably you, what you would do if you were in right. the same situation you can trace like you can trace down mm -hmm. um you can trace down that that trauma through generations man there was a part where one one character is i do want to reread this one character was talking about how uh how he was it's one dude talking to another dude and he they were talking about how he doesn't want um alcoholism and like violence and things like that to be attributed as like native things uh -huh. but they are right because of the position that they've been put in right. and so you also don't want to not recognize 
that as a legitimate problem. Yes. So it's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like if any stereotype is true for legitimate reasons and you're trying to fight like, right, this is real, but it's not because we're inherently this or what, I don't know. Right. It's hard to explain. No, I totally, I mean, I think that that's uh, like, I think that's a, most like, of just, the book is to me is a little, like that's a literary question as mm-hmm. like a white person who is outside mm-hmm. that experience. I, I sometimes like wonder is, is it, is this, okay? can I read this book? Yeah. Or, like, has a, what well, seems like a stereo like I, what I have been taught as uh-huh. a as a nice liberal white lady uh-huh. is like that's a stereotype, right. you know. But then also it is also a reality, right? And it and it's a reality because of of generational trauma and because of oppression. And so these like you don't want to say like for example like I always think of like when people say. Uh, don't don't say bad don't, don't say the ghetto is a bad place mm-hmm. you know and and I feel like it's like you, well yeah it's not a great place mm-hmm. because um, because people have been forced I mean that's uh, what a right. ghetto they is wouldn't it's like people to, have been forced right. to live a place right like the Jewish ghettos and you know yeah. the ghettos of today people have been forced to live a place and when you're forced together and you have poverty and whatever all uh-huh. of these things happen um, and so so yes it's not a good thing. And also, they're vibrant, right? Like yeah, things come out of that kind of uh-huh. oppression and experience that are not necessarily bad things, um, and that are beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but also, and also, yeah, say, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. also, um, do we really need people to create beauty through oppression? Like, how no, about, right, how about exactly. How about people can just create beauty without being oppressed? Yeah. Like, yeah. how about we try that for a while? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's try well, that. Well, yeah, and he says, like, don't make the mistake of calling us resilient. To not have been destroyed, to not have given up, to have survived is no badge of honor. Would you call an attempted murder victim resilient? Like, yes. so it's, I mean, he. Uh, this book is all just one giant quotable, amazing it's powerhouse. a brain bender, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Can I ra- can I read just a little? I just it's like short. Yeah. But I the I think it gives it's a like this is how his writing is beautiful. A bullet is a thing mm. so fast it's hot and so hot it's mean and so straight it moves clean through a body, makes a hole, tears, burns, exits, goes on, hungry, or it remains, cools, lodges, poisons. When a bullet opens you up, blood pours out of of a mouth like out of a mouth too full. A stray bullet, like a stray dog, might up and bite anyone, anywhere, just because its teeth were made to bite, made to soften, tear through meat. A bullet is made to eat, though as much as it can. Oh, eat through as much as it can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would have yeah. been better if I would have not. No, that's good. But um, but it's all like the whole book has this is passages yeah. like that. Well, where you also, can, yeah, but ahead. there's also like funny witty dialogue there yeah. is like goofy stuff that kids do and you know friendships yes. between women and you know it's so like it's so much it's, it's so, so much, much without feeling like it was too long or overwhelming or i freaking love this book can we talk about okay so let's i mean can we talk about the spiders no okay just, spiders are a big theme. I want spiders are a theme, and you just need to know, and that you like <laughs> me <sighs> might be going like, yeah, forever yep, now yep, yep, because yep, yep. that is this, and I don't feel like they resolved it. It was not resolved no, to my that's satisfaction. That's the great thing, though, because that's like it's like anything that's like sort of mystical. It's like that's what happened. That's how life is. Don't we had X thing happen, and so did you, and that's. Anyway, we're done talking about that right now. You guys got to read that for yourself. You have to read it for yourself, but I wanted it to be resolved. I know. No, we can, um, I think after we are done recording, we can talk about some yes. spoily things. Let's so if you've that. read this, please uh, at us, um, because this book is, uh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, you, oh, yeah. You had this quote in here. The spider's web is a home and a trap. And a trap. 
dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So yeah. it's got, it's just gorgeous, guys. And and like, really I want gorgeous. you to know that we talked about this. So this book is popular, although I went and looked at the Holtz list, and it's not as long. No. As it definitely could be or should be. Well, it came out in June. It was. Yeah, it was long. long. So I would like, please get on this because, I mean, like when people say like this is a a new classic, they're not overstating it. Like it's it's really incredible. And so um, I definitely, you know, I I definitely would... I want to drive the holds list back up on this book. Well, Margaret Atwood loves it. Louise Erdrich loves it. Um, Marlon James says... Uh, there, there drops on us like a thunderclap. It's totally right. It does. Oh man. Okay. So, all right. Are we? Let's. Should we wrap that? Yeah. Seventy stars. We should give it thirty <laughs> thumbs up. And yeah. Yep. One. Go read it, please, please and talk do. to us about it. And then yeah. teach it in your class. And teach it in your class if you're a teacher. And give or it to just your kids get a class if, if you're not a kids. teacher. And mm-hmm. give buy, it to people. You know, have some kids and talk to them about it. <laughs> do, do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. So we can't always be reading, even though I didn't write anything down for this. What mm. are you doing? Well, uh, I'm, just, I'm just prepping for my favorite season, which starts. Birthday season? Oh, yeah, birthday season. Mm-hmm. But autumn. Autumn. Mm-hmm. Autumn is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And it starts tonight, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night. Um, so I'm super ready for it. I just feel really, I'm very motivated in the fall and especially in October. I'm just very motivated. Mm-hmm. A lot of things, a lot of projects and things become unstuck for me during that uh-huh. time. Because so, you're not spending all of your time sweating. That could be actually why. And I, I, I mean, I... <laughs> If I think about it, like also my husband's not crabby because oh yeah, he's not, not swimming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like he's in a better mood in yeah. the fall because he hates being hot, uh-huh. and, and it gets hot here in Kansas in the summer. So he's in a better mood. So like he's and more willing to swing. go out and mm-hmm. sit on the patio with yeah, me exactly. and like take a walk. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, sorry, sorry for the call out post, Kevin, <laughs> you're a crab in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what we're up to. Right. I notice in the, in the mornings, cause I've been like letting my dog out and um, getting up kind of earlier and letting her like sniff every square inch of the yard. <laughs> um, and when I open the door and it's cool, like this morning, it was like 60 or something like that. And I just felt like, oh, I am awake. I am alive. Everything is great. And then like the dog is all excited and I haven't had her for autumn yet. So this is going to be fun. But, uh, and I'm, tr- what I need to try to do is appreciate that before it gets to, I'm awake and it's so cold and dark. <laughs> so yes, I need to be thankful for this time right now this is this, this is, is your right this is the mm-hmm. magical season this is like the one month between it's sweaty and mm-hmm. i have to use my sad lamp yeah exactly this is your this yes. is your this is where i just get to wear 30 days and yeah exactly <laughs> exactly okay um what else do you got going on is oh that it? uh well it? tomorrow so tomorrow this is going to be pointless because it'll be way past when we're doing this but there is a uh what what are you talking about? Then? Oh, <laughs> um, at in a thematically with this oh, okay. episode at Haskell, there's um, a Keep Legends Alive event this weekend, and it's um, honoring. Uh, I believe it's honoring. So Native Americans were not allowed to fight in or to to sign up for to fight in World Military War One. But so many thousands of them did anyway, just to fight mm-hmm. for this country that takes a dump on them. Which how, do is, they, how do they manage to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would find out if it was not here. Or... And maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, like didn't register with oh. their tribe or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like 300 or so of them were from Lawrence or from Haskell. Uh, and so there's this whole dedication ceremony weekend. And tomorrow I'm going to the evening powwow, which now after reading this book, I am just... I'm just very, just much looking forward to yeah. just being, like, just watching, just yeah. being a fly we're, on the wall. I think we're really lucky that we live in a town yeah. where um, we have a, a good presence mm-hmm. um, up for Native culture and history with having Haskell University comparatively, in town. Yeah. Comparatively. And, um, and I think we don't, as a community, always 
take advantage it. or no. appreciate that. Um, but I do, you know, I mean, I, I am like, okay, I really want to go to this powwow, but mm-hmm. I'm not actually, cause that's what I'm going to a wedding tomorrow, yeah. oh, which I'm also very excited well, about good. because it's been a long, long time since I've been to a wedding. And that's a problem for you. I think so. Okay. I just, uh, it's it's really more of it's really more of a reception. Like mm. the wedding was private and they did it themselves, and then this is just Open like bar? party down. Yeah. Okay. Good. Cool. Um, yes, it is, and it's two people who I love very much, and Aww. they are, it's a very non traditional um, wedding oh, kind nice. of scenario. Um, they finally decided after eleven years to get married and raising children together to get married. Cool. Um, <laughs> so shout out yeah. to Elizabeth and Leo. Aww. But um, but that'll be really fun. I yes I and like I haven't been to a wedding in a long time. My kids I don't know if my kids have been to more than one wedding in wow. their whole life. Huh. So uh, the girls are going with me, Aww. and I'm excited for them to just part, like to dance, yeah, and to celebrate, and just have something good happen. Hopefully, you'll do the Cupid Shuffle. I the dance of our people. We <laughs> need to do the Cupid Shuffle, and actually, and also the electric slide. The electric slide. Uh-huh. Boot, um, scoot, and boogie. I don't know if you're gonna do any of that, but I can keep going. I've been to lots of weddings. Okay. Um, uh, so Casper slide part two, etc. Yeah, my yeah my kids Ca- is sometimes. It Casper, I don't know. That's what I say. That might be the Cupid Shuffle. One well, of no, the Cupid Shuffle I could do right now, and then the Casper slide part two is yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I know what we're doing after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And more, more, more singing. Shuffle. We're singing okay. all the way to the uh, end of this because episode. it's October. I mean, it's not October. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So here are, let's talk about some things happening at LPLR in town. Yes. And I, uh, so the first thing is, is we are, I know we've talked about this. We had an episode in June about the Great American Read on PBS. And we now are in the midst of our programming mm-hmm. for that. We are meeting once a week mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights Tuesdays. at 7 p.m. to watch the episode and then have brilliant people mm-hmm. who know about books and literature mm-hmm. um, lead a discussion with us afterwards. So we just had the discussion with Darren Kennedy, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, upcoming, we have, by the time by the time this comes out, who will we have left? We'll have ha- uh, Bogey, um, Takash. So October and, 9th, uh-huh. um, I, Aisha Hardison uh-huh. uh, will be will be talking, and then October sixteenth will be Bogey Takash and Chris McKittrick, mm-hmm. and then um, talking about other worlds. So this is all we'll have a link yeah. to all of this, and then the very last episode is going to be live and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the folks at KCPT are going to be there to party down with us. And they've mentioned, like, should we make it a costume thing? I don't know. Whatever. I was oh. like, I don't know, but, but I want an opportunity to wear a ball. Do down. you own one? I don't. Okay, good. Let's go shopping. I, <laughs> because I think, great. I think we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some authors are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I... You know what? And then, like, now that I'm about to say this, I feel like we haven't really been given permission to make this announcement. Wait, Wait the beach author? Yes. Yeah, we have. It's on our it's our Twitter cover photo. And, yeah, we've got all that. Yeah, they, they sent out a connection. Was it this it. week? No, it was a long while ago. Anyway, Nettie Korfor is coming. <laughs> Definitely. Here's me yeah. not understanding life. No, um, Nettie Korfor is coming, which is so freaking awesome. I'm yeah. just, I can't even. I'm just spacing out about how awesome it is. I know. So Nettie and, and Nettie Akorfor will be here November 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, a Thursday. Uh, probably at 7 p.m. because mm-hmm. everything's at 7 p.m. At Liberty Hall. Liberty Hall. And then the other person who's coming, who the library is not technically bringing, but we're just going to pretend like mm-hmm. we are bringing them because in our minds we willed it to who happen. Who is it? Uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. Neil Gaiman is coming. Neil Gaiman is coming. And that'll be at the Lead Center? At the Lead Center. And I'm totally blanking on the date. Well, we can just put that I've in. I've got it. Yeah, we'll put it in there. It's like November. I want to say it's November 19th. Cool. And I feel like I'm going to be right about that. And then, well, you usually are right <laughs> about most things. Um, That's what... It, it is November 19th. Of yeah. course it is. And then Danny uh, from The Raven mentioned a bunch of other things going on. So, like, this is just a very big – it's a big fall. 
It'll be a big spring. It's a big Just spring. Just is coming in March, April, mm-hmm. I mean. Whoops. A big fall, big spring. Uh-huh. Ooh, you know what else that we should announce right now? Uh-oh. For our faithful listeners. What? Uh, Book Club Speed Dating. Oh, yeah. Is in November. Yes, November So if 15th. you're listening right now, you get... You get first dibs. Well, actually, I told my book club last night, but You sorry. get second dibs. <laughs> Hope maybe some of you are also in Kate's book yeah. club. But, um, but so that, so mark your calendars because that's coming up again, and I think it's going to be super fun. And we, we will talk more really about it. Yeah. Last, all, all of them have been. Really I know. Fun. We can talk more about it next episode, yeah. and it'll be closer. Mm-hmm. Um, right after this episode airs, hopefully, uh, will be the big Haskell powwow, which is the welcome back powwow on mm-hmm. October 13th, which is a Saturday from 6 to 10. Um, I will include uh, the Facebook information and all that stuff. But um, I think what your homework is, everybody, is to read there, there, and then go to the powwow and yeah. Like and then come back here and, some things. and talk about it mm-hmm. to us. Shout out to us mm-hmm. in the comments because we'd like to hear from you. Yeah. We'd like to hear from you anyway. Yeah, just come talk to oh, us. Give, it, give, a, us. give us a rating. Yeah. Like, like a five-star one. Whatever. However many stars. <laughs> 12 stars. Yeah, 12 stars. What did you say before? 70 stars? 70 stars. That's what I'm giving there. there. Okay. So mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll say 65. So yeah. So we, we don't want to be greedy. Yeah, exactly. Don't be greedy. Right. So, but it helps other people find us and mm-hmm. other people who want to think about books and listen to people natter on about books. Sing about it. <laughs> sing about books. Oh, God. Okay. Happy reading. Happy reading. All right. I'm cutting you off now. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website, lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Jim Barnes, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.